Welcome to the Crowfall Podcast, where we share stories and perspectives from the world of Crowfall with your host, Kristen Walker. This is Walker, and this week we chat about some of the community feedback on the Crowfall forums, a recent large siege defense, and more. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Minds at CrowfallPod. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you feeling today? I feel like Pac. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which, like Pac-Man? A little... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the little guy that eats the little, uh, little dots? Little dots? Pac-Man? Eats, eats the eggs? <laughs> are they eggs? <laughs> They're not eggs. That's what they are, aren't they? No. Yeah. Whose eggs? Is he a fox? <laughs> Who's eating this many eggs? A little, uh, you know, chicken eggs. Yeah, but so many. Anyway, <laughs> I assume you mean Tupac? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, then, by all means, are you dead? No, then actually. You don't feel like Pac now. So. Correct, correct. <laughs> probably, probably. In, in his prime where he felt like he was against the world, maybe. Okay, so it's 1993. <laughs> <laughs> You're somewhere in Southern California. Right, West Side. Okay, okay. All right. So why why do you feel that way? Why do you feel like it's you against the world? Well, our last, our last siege defense was pretty interesting. Hmm. I mean, it was about we defended against three alliances. Maybe, I guess they maybe, didn't sign the home keep agreement. I don't. I don't know if that's a thing. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard much about that. Actually. Yeah. 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 The politics changed a lot this campaign. Mm-hmm. This might be. This might be the most dramatic shift maybe ever. You know, for the first two or three campaigns, it was just the same guilds in the top. And when that when that shifted, that was a pretty significant change. But it feels like this might be the most significant. I don't know if it's more significant than when that happened or not, but yeah, pretty different political landscape out there right now. It seems like that there has been some some new guilds forming, old guilds leaving certain alliances starting new alliances mm-hmm. and a- activity as well. I mean, winter blades back in the mix coming back. Yeah. Basically coming on strong toward the end of last drags. Cause they were originally in our alliance starting last drags. When a few of them started coming back, more came back. Eventually, they left our alliance to make their own. But so it's nice. It's nice to see a lot of different things going on. There's also alliances out there that are focused on doing their own thing and not necessarily allying with other alliances, kind of like attacking who they feel is the most important threat at the time. 
Mm. Um, when we were defending our castle, one of those alliances was in the field. And, and so they weren't necessarily attacking the other alliances that were attacking us, but they were kind of picking their opportunities to poke at us. Mm-hmm. But it was probably the most complete siege that I've ever participated in. We fought all over that castle. Counter- you just, are you just done saying keep at this point? Is that where we're at? I'm just curious. Well, there's a specific point where we actually pull back from the castle walls into the keep and defend that from there. And so I'm curious, though. I'm curious here real quick. Do you also find it troubling that the player characters are referred to as crows when we all know that that's actually a bird? <laughs> well, there's a uh, crow form. So, no, I mean... Oh, okay. But, I mean, when they're, they're the character, you usually refer to them by their class, right? I don't know. I'm just I'm just so confused by this staunchness on medieval building <laughs> especially if they ever actually do re-implement castles uh-huh. this is very confusing yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden oh well, i mean then, then we you can, won't use the words that we've agreed on so. we can we can modify so instead of pulling back <laughs> to defend in the keep we call it i guess the ward room but well, we weren't actually in the ward room um, sure. right next to the war kind of below sure. it. <laughs> outside the war table room yeah. I mean, what would you like to call it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just, it's just very confusing to, you know, not use the words that, that we use. That's all. Well, I'm asking what word would we use? Well, it's keep. Yeah, I, again, uh, I don't actually care either. I'm also just trying to razz you a bit. Okay. Uh, okay. So I don't, I, I do, yeah, 100% don't actually care it at all. <laughs> well, anyway, I remember defending the keep walls and then we pulled back to defend the keep in the middle room (laughs) (laughs) okay okay the one with all the ramps you know yeah Um, the the ramp room the ramp room (laughs) there we go see Uh, i like look at that just a little brainstorming so yeah, we're positioned in the ramp room and <laughs> it was it was really nice. I'm I'm I mean maybe half an hour of like constant fighting back and wow. forth. We end up wiping them, going back out to the walls, going out into the field, fighting in the field over trebs. But, yeah. I'm really surprised because I think every large fight I've taken part in always ends once trees spawn mm-hmm. yeah now i have seen it where the trees weren't where is it the ward in the castle mm-hmm. i don't know what it is in the castle it has to be destroyed that's the equivalent of the trees outside yeah yeah there's like three wards in there yeah but i mean i have seen it where those were destroyed so the uh, defenders lost so i don't mean i've only ever seen defenders win but I've just, I don't know that I've ever seen it really extend past 15 minutes because it seems like one side or the other is always able to get to those things pretty quickly once they're available. Yeah, yeah. You get the wipe 
And then on their respawn, usually you can clean up the trees before they really get back. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that our keep is next to pretty close to the temple, so it's easy respawn. Mm. And there were three different alliances in the field, so we were having to account for each one and what they were doing. Mm. Each one was like respawning at different times. They were coming in at different angles, right? That's fair. I think most of the time when I've done it, when I've been in the larger fights, we're Maybe there's two alliances, but we wipe both of them. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I'm the one getting wiped, whatever. Like there, yeah. There's there's not that staggering like you're explaining. Yeah, yeah. And I guess also the the other side of the coin is how many you're fighting in the 25 man zone, right? Right, correct. So that's the other difference is it it if you've got you know in the past maybe the defending group has 70 people. And there, maybe there's two alliances working together to attack, and let's say they've each got you know 30 or something, whatever. So maybe combined they kind of equal the defending force or the larger force. But so the staggering wouldn't be effective because even if they came in staggered, they'd only be at half strength. Mm-hmm. But in the 25-man cap zone, it makes it so that if you've got two alliances and one staggered, it's a full fight. <laughs> even if only one of them's there. Does that make sense what I'm trying to explain? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, each one being able to take their own 25-man group. I don't think each one had exactly 25. But sure. uh, it, it's also interesting because all of the drakes that we've been in, regardless of alliance, we've always kind of been closer to 50 than 25 in these sieges. Right. It just so happens that now we've been trying to figure out who is going to attend these fights, what kind of composition makeup we might want. And in having more than 25, so having people available to sub in if need be, but I don't know. It's just been kind of different planning for this. As opposed to just like everyone get on, you know, as much as we can get. Yeah, it's a lot more specific. Which, yeah, I think is, I think it's a lot more engaging too, right? For the people involved, it's, you feel like you're, you literally do, you're one of, you know, 25, so you're, you're part of a head count and your role matters mm-hmm. versus like, I'll show up and be a part of a giant group and, <laughs> you know, we'll see how much of an impact I can make or not. Yeah, it's um, more dependent on you coordinating with everyone else and doing what needs to be done. I mean, with a huge raid like that, you could easily just show up and cast some spells and not worry too much. Well, and I mean, it's, you know, it's it's analogous to the... the <laughs> you know, long-term progression we saw in, in MMOs as a genre where if you go back to, you know, like Dark Age of Camelot, and this is PvE I'm talking about, but PvE rating in Dark Age of Camelot, there was no limit on how many players could go. Mm-hmm. So you would do these huge raids with, you know, a hundred plus players <laughs> yeah. all going yeah. to fight the boss or whatever. And it was certainly a way to get a lot of people through content in one shot. 
but the content was really only cool because of how it looked. But as far as how it played, you know, unless you're a tank or something or, or someone who has has a specific role, it just kind of felt like, you know, to what you just described, you just kind of thrown out some spells and whatever. Mm-hmm. The stuff will die because there's so many of us. And then you fast forward to the modern MMO. And again, PVE rating I'm talking about. But, you know, that's what WoW discovered when WoW first came out. It was 40 man raids. And then they pared that down to, to 25. And I think now it's 20 is the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And you can have as little as 10. But it's the same exact reason that you just said. It's that the more concentrated it is, the more engaging it is for each individual player because they just actually matter a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's good to see them uh, apply that lesson here within, you know not too long of, of a time, not years and years like it took <laughs> the rating community to figure out. Yeah. It, it, it seems like that 25 is, is a good number. We even had a few folks on, on counter siege and the, where, where that becomes tricky is if you have to fight the other 25 man, right? And then you're got a few people dedicated to counter siege. They're no longer in that mm-hmm. fight in the field or wherever. So kind of figuring out how that manages, how effective it can be. I don't know. It seems seems to be a good number. I think though. So with all of these different alliances showing up were any of them surprises or you just were surprised because there were that many people there for the content? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just surprising that there was that much activity. Mm. I mean, we've exchanged fights with everyone that was there. So it wasn't like a new thing having to fight them, but yeah, just how consistent it was. Cause you, you wipe somebody and then it was like, Oh, breather, but then not because here comes the other alliance and then having to engage them. But it was, it was fun. It was exactly what I would want out of a siege like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I unfortunately was not able to, to attend. I had work stuff going on, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it sounds, that sounds awesome. And hopefully we'll continue to see that. I, you know, since it came out, I've, and I think most people agree, but the, the zone cap thing is, is pretty good and has kept, has, has made smaller guilds able to stay relevant. So, yeah. Um, I hope I could find maybe a video of that fight because again, like it, it blows my mind that people say they like PVP and then they're, they're not playing Crowfall mm. and people that have tried Crowfall and then, went and done other things and was like, well, I thought you liked PVP. Like this is, it's here. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't get, yeah, there. you're right. You don't, but I, and I don't mean to play, you know, contrarian, but again, like what are we talking about when we say I like PVP? Because yeah. if that's what you want to do primarily, you can't really, if you play Crowfall, because there's not that the, the experience you had is once a day at most, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
So if it's a game you're going to play all the time, the majority of the time you're playing, that's not the experience you get. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, and the reason I bring that up is not to be contrarian to your point. It's more that, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. You know, we've talked about a lot of different solutions, you know, like Hunger Dome, arena-style thing. That would be something that would enable people to just fight more, but that would detract from the main game. So yeah. I don't I, know how well I like that either. I don't know. The scheduled defenses of one to two keeps, for me, seems like that's as much of a event schedule that I'm really looking for. Yeah, but you enjoy the rest of the game. Like, you play way more than the event schedule is Mm -hmm. and do all of the rest of the game that Mm -hmm. it has to offer. You harvest, you craft, you go farm stuff, you group, you solo. I mean, you you build the EK. Like, you literally do all of the game, which is awesome. But if a person only wants to PvP, they, you know playing twice a week is just not really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that much, you know? Right, right. I'm with you. But uh, to your point, I, I agree with you. As If you want to see some keep fight, because the truth is, again, is in Guild Wars, it doesn't offer nonstop keep sieges either. Neither does, you know, Elder Scrolls Online, neither did Dark Age of Camelot. So I don't know any PvP game that allows that kind of pvp constantly Mm -hmm. because even if you went and played wow arena fine but it's three on three or five on five or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it's not 30 on 30 or 25 on 25 i guess it is now (laughs) yeah at least in that zone Mm -hmm. yeah so there wasn't there a crafting item thing you wanted to bring up as well i don't know what it is specifically to make a smoother segue into that so (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's a crafting badge that allows you to craft better and Mm -hmm. this this specific item was available to beta testers and i I guess there was a a brief time around christmas that it was uh, it could be received out of a gift or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, if, you, if you if you mind, around Christmas you got the, you could buy the potion from the mystery vendor, and then that enabled gifts to drop from mining and maybe quarrying or logging. I don't know. It wasn't yeah. all of the harvest, but some of them. Yeah, and so anyone that has become a legendary crafter, they are technically not as good as someone that has this item if they're also legendary if they're also legendary correct and and there's really no good way to obtain this item the recently there was a, a modification where you could purchase these loot boxes from with the conquest coins uh, that you earn in the campaigns yeah. to get a roll on this badge it was, I, th- I think it was a one in 32 chance. I'm not exactly sure, somewhere in there. But every time you open that box, I mean, that's that's the new odds. It would be like opening baseball cards or something. 
Yeah, loot boxes. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, we decided to see how if we could get this for one of our crafters. And so I just want to I just want to make get some clarification. So you're saying that from Conquest Rewards, you can obtain this crafting badge on an RNG chance. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, you could spend the coins for the loot box to get the roll. Okay. So we went ahead and tried for 32 loot boxes. So it's about 100k Conquest coins. Basically an entire rewards and some of a campaign and uh, didn't didn't get the badge the crafting badge mm. also the badges in the loot box were not tradable yep however i think there are some changes that are coming i think they reverted how the badges work or or something so Maybe they are now tradable. There was a, a recent rollback, and they're looking at implementing a way to obtain the badge that's easier, mm. more direct, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it stands now, which is good. I mean, there should be a way to obtain something like that, I think, outside of gambling. Well, and outside of, you know, people got it in beta or people got lucky at Christmas with the gift event that was going on. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, and so that actually, that segues nicely then into, you know, on the forums here. I don't know if it was today, but sometime in the last few days, Tiggs put out a, a forum post that's requesting community feedback. And... There's a nice little form to it, and you list like the top five things you like and the top five things you don't about Crowfall overall, and then top five likes and dislikes about Dregs and Shadow campaigns specifically, and then top three likes and dislikes of the community. So I was kind of perusing the forums, and to be clear, this is not scientific or mathematical in any way. I did not aggregate the the responses and and <laughs> group them together and find literally what the the top responses were mm. but i just kind of sifted through the, the the responses that people had provided and tried to find common threads to just kind of create a, a a top five likes and dislikes list just overall so we're not going to go through <laughs> six different categories of likes and dislikes here <laughs> yeah but i thought it'd be interesting you know obviously we share our own thoughts on what should be changed or what could be different and so i thought i would yeah kind of run through some of the common answers i saw and then we can talk about what we think about those sure Uh, so we'll start should we start with likes or dislikes do you think bad news up front bad news at the end Ooh, i mean bad news always comes first right okay it seems like sure I mean, that way we can um, end on a, a positive. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a question, we want to end on a high note. <laughs> so, top five dislikes then. So, the number one dislike I would say that I saw people talking about is literally what you were just saying. 
to some extent, the BOP bind on pickup on badges, which makes them not tradable because as soon as you loot it, mm -hmm. it's yours. Sounds like maybe that's been rectified already, though, or, or at least is in the works. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that was the most common complaint I saw was actually the RNG on coin purchases. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, so I'm curious because, you know, I've never been in leadership, so I've never seen the distribution of rewards. So I don't understand what it looked like before versus now other than, you know, mm -hmm. what's been explained. But before... Was it that the alliance leader was just given like a hundred items of, you know, some more discipline, some more equipment, whatever they are, mm -hmm. which is like a hundred things. And then they just distributed those things how they saw fit. Yeah. At, at first they were, you, you would, there would still be some RNG, but you would get so many like exploring disciplines or something like that. And then you're still kind of opening them and to see exactly which ones. And then eventually it got to the the loot boxes where I open up an additive jar and then get so many different additives for vessels, right? Mm -hmm. Organs. But I don't know. I think everyone had the impression that when we got the coins, the possibility these of what the rewards could be would just be available in a store, and then we would just pick what we wanted. So if I wanted a certain kind of organ, eyes, or a certain discipline, I would just go there and spend the coins and, and get it. But instead, it's purchasing the loot box of the thing to get the roll. So you're still getting stuff that maybe you don't necessarily need. But before you would get, let's say, and I'm just making up numbers, but let's say you got 10 loot boxes total and you would get like two loot boxes from each five different categories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean, again, I know the math's wrong, but is that kind of how it works? Yeah, and I mean it's hard for me to exactly say because we've we've been in different placements in the in the drag, so then what we get has been also kind of different. Well, I guess my, my point that I'm trying to get to is is that so if before and again we're just making up numbers, the, the numbers are not the important part point here. But let's say there was you your portion of the reward was gonna be ten loot boxes and those are in different categories. Yeah. So now with the coins, you could just buy additive loot boxes, though, whereas before you would have gotten some additive loot boxes and maybe some discipline loot boxes, yeah. but you don't care about the discipline loot boxes. Mm -hmm. So isn't this actually still more agency for the player because you, you can at least choose what kind of loot boxes you're getting as opposed to just being assigned a set amount of each kind? Yeah, I mean, you could still apply those coins to one specific upgrade route. Mm -hmm. so that I do like that about it mm -hmm. it does seem like that the loot boxes are provide you with less rewards than mm. what they were originally Yeah, I, I mean I could be wrong about this because it's been so long and, and every drag seems to be different but I remember opening additive boxes and getting more than one or it seemed like 
Yeah. And the, and it doesn't seem to be the case now. I mean, I think it's certainly certainly possible. And I think to some extent, though, with the waning player population issue, they kind of have to do that, though, right? Because past mm-hmm. a point, if, 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 it's, if you could get everything you needed within three campaigns, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. even the additives that are so rare only matter for a while. But once people have vessels, I mean, unless they're going to play a variety of characters that all have orange vessels, you know, even that runs out of value at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's how I I'm kind of made sense of it was it's a way of lengthening the progression. So yes, those conquest coins go farther. Right. So I, I get it. I, and I, you know, so I, I don't know if I dislike, I don't know if I dislike the coin solution because I think that's actually more agency but I do understand why people don't like RNG. I also hate RNG. Yeah. Um, loot. And, and honestly, it's just the... So on the forums, a lot of people refer to it as gotcha, which is G-A-C-H-A, to be clear, mm-hmm. which that's the term that is used for... I, I think it's Japanese. I may, be, I may be incorrect. It might not be specific to Japan, but... But gotcha games, which are are games that have mechanics where you have to pay in order to continue. It's not uniquely Japanese, actually, because Tencent is a Chinese Mm. company and they make them. So either way, it's very popular in like Southeast Asia. But they're usually free games that then incentivize you to to buy loot boxes to to progress, to level Mm -hmm. up, to play for longer in a session, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So I've seen people referring to this as gotcha mechanics, which, mm, it, I mean, I guess, except that you're not paying money <laughs> to do this, and yeah. it's not the exclusive way to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's just a bad feeling when it comes to loot boxes, even if you don't have to pay money for them. Where, yeah, yeah. Because they were so prevalent for so long. I mean, this is totally not Crowfall related, but if you remember... The Shadow Shadow of Mordor was the first game, and then the sequel was Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. It's like a Lord of the Rings kind of Assassin's Creed style game. Is mm-hmm. a very loose way to describe it. And yeah, the second one was just inundated with loot boxes, mm-hmm. and you didn't have to buy them in order to, to play or progress. But it felt it just felt janky, you know? Yeah, I mean, no, no one likes to get whatever that loot box is. I mean, and, and then not get something good out of it. I I mean, as a kid buying baseball cards, I mean, the worst time is coming home and opening all the packs. And then it's like, I don't, didn't really like any of that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I guess though, whenever the rewards were just predetermined and distributed, you also couldn't just get what you wanted. You know what I mean? So I'm not even, I'm not advocating that loot boxes are great or that they should stay. I guess I just don't know how much more players have lost because before at no point has a guild won a con won a campaign or not even one, but gotten conquest rewards and then been able to just go and just freely select the, the thing that they want the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's a little different when 
maybe it's loot dropping from a mob. I mean, RNG doesn't seem to bother me too much on that. Yeah. It, it, it's mostly when I have to pay something and then <laughs> roll on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. And, and yeah, to be clear again, I'm, I'm not even really trying to take a position on it or, yeah. or to promote them as much as it's, it's interesting where people, and again, I'm not above this or smarter or nor are people dumb or that's none of that is my point. My point is just that like, it's weird. The lines that we'll draw mm-hmm. around stuff where it's like, yeah, if you go farm a mob, you know, you're going to kill group bosses cause you're looking for a certain item to drop. Mm-hmm. You're not cursing the gotcha mechanics of the mob loot drop table. But it's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. arguably, like, I don't like spending coins. Like, really? Do you like spending hours of time instead? <laughs> I would rather just spend the coins that are also made up. You know? Yeah. Again, I don't mean that as to you personally or, or really anyone specifically. It's just more, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's cognitive dissonance, I guess. But it's, the, <laughs> it, it, it's strange how we'll be so offended. And then literally, if you just change the... I don't know, change the shirt that it's wearing, right? So it looks a little different. People are like, no, I like that pretty well. That's yeah, cool. yeah, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've never been, like, totally against loot boxes and stuff. I mean, RNG loot is just a thing when mm-hmm. in RPGs you're killing stuff and getting random stuff. But... Well, and I mean, I think the, the harvesting and crafting system is pretty well liked in Crowfall, but I don't hear people you know, curse the, the gotcha mechanics of harvesting when you don't get a legendary ore every time you hit a rank 10 node, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so again, I don't know. There's, there's just, and, and, and I'm, I've probably gone too long on that point, but. It's an interesting point though, because I make a vessel and I don't get a necro di- discipline. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, I feel it. But... Right. But you're not, you're not, you, you wouldn't, I don't think you feel like it's as shady as the loot box feels. Right. Yeah. And that's why I say, I think it's something specifically about loot box and I don't know what the answer is. And really in most games now, and again, Crowfall at least up to this point is not monetized for real money, any loot box or anything like that. So it's not the same as it is in games that do that. I actually lost my train of thought. I don't know what I had said first that doesn't matter whatever either way i think oh i was i know what i was going to say that that games have gone away from loot boxes in a lot of cases and now they sell battle passes right Mm -hmm. and i mean it's the same thing you're paying money to have a chance at rewards the difference is on the battle pass you know what you're going to get at certain milestones Mm -hmm. but the difference is is you have to play or or hit certain achievements or do whatever but like there's if you don't play enough you just don't get it even if you paid mm-hmm. so people seem less bothered by that than they do the loot box the loot box very unpopular so yeah yeah so either way that again that would that would be i would say the number one complaint i saw is people don't like the rng on coin purses coin purchases so hopefully they can figure out a different t-shirt to put on that. So people like it better. (laughs) Maybe, maybe instead you should get a coin that you give to a vendor and it spawns a mob and then you fight the mob and whatever it drops, (laughs) you get 
and maybe then people would be like, yeah, that maybe was fair. Feel better about it. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. just the conquest point arena where you go fight for your loot <laughs> that you still don't know what it is, but and you can spawn an additive mob or a yeah a exploration discipline mob. You know, that'd be one way to make it worse. I think. It might. <laughs> it might be. It might be better though, because then it's not loot boxes. <laughs> be another 10 hours to fight for your all your loot <laughs> yeah all raid bosses too you can't solo <laughs> it so and and you know i said that was probably the number one that's true the rest of these are in really in no particular order i don't you know that would be i would say the, the most common complaint but the rest of these are, are are definitely common but i don't know that everyone has these rank number one or, or number two or whatever but either way, the next thing on the list here, import tokens. People saying either the the there's a lot of solutions or suggestions or, or comments on it. I would say the one I saw that I think made the most sense to me is either make it so that you can only import disciplines, toolkits, belts, or badges, uh, right? like accessories uh -huh. type stuff, not jewelry, but like the belt or the back of the badge accessory or harvesting toolkit or, or crafting belt. Mm -hmm. And then your disciplines. Permanent items. But like, Yeah, that's a yeah, perfect yeah. way to put it. Yeah, make it so that those are the only thing that can be imported. And I guess there would still, maybe there's still import tokens in this person's example. Either way, it's basically like make it so that you can't import equipment at all so that everything has to be crafted in the campaign because that uh, seems to be the goal of import tokens, right? Is to force crafting to happen in the campaign, which then means harvesting has to happen in the campaign. So everyone has to play the whole game. Yes. Or just do away with it and allow people to import stuff freely so that the EK markets can be more thriving and people can buy stuff from the UK and import it without having to worry about it. Mm, but as it stands, good points. yeah, I agree. I think both make sense. Personally, I think I like the first option better. Yeah. I think I like, hey, let's just restrict crafting to the campaigns. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would make it a real pain at the beginning because you'd have to be, I mean, you'd have to make a basic harvesting axe and then <laughs> farm low-level wood to make the, whatever, the intermediate harvesting axe, and then you could get enough to make the advanced. But it would be, I don't know, it would be the goal that's there already anyway, and it would be more clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always kind of been curious about getting as close to a zero start in a campaign as possible. Even I've talked about not having any import tokens where you just bring in a naked character, but the discipline thing seems like it has to be there because now you're just grinding what green disciplines or something. Yeah. In a campaign. And that seems ridiculous. The, definitely the permanent item should be, yeah, should not have to be reobtained because that's kind of, for a game that is so, you know, has so many, you know, resets with all the campaigns, it's one of the few things that actually is permanent progression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But 
the whole point of not having equipment coming in is that it all that that does is benefit long-term players and hurt new players and yeah we need new players <laughs> so yeah setting the table so that new players have a, a greater disadvantage in a game that explains very little <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> is already challenging in so many ways to wrap your head around. Yeah. The import tokens is just another layer to that. And I mean, it took me, I don't know, a campaign or two before I fully understood that unlocking didn't actually mean anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mm-hmm. thought it really mattered. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it does if you unlock all your characters out of the campaign. Like, I think, I think you have to keep one in there. I think that's true, but that's not really tied to the unlocking. That's just whether or not the characters in the campaign are not kind of... I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know. It, it just... Swapping a character in and out of dregs, I, I was like, I guess this is okay. I don't really know. And then <laughs> finally, someone was able to clarify, but... So yeah, I would like to see that. And I think that would be a change that I mean, I don't obviously I have no idea from a technical perspective, but it seems like there that could be something that they could resolve in the near term. Maybe within the next campaign or two, we could see a change to import tokens. Yeah, yeah. I'm all I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Any anything to kind of give that more meaning I like. Yeah. So the next thing that I that I had jotted down is outposts. Oh. I, uh, I saw a lot of complaining about outposts. And I don't even, I, when I say the word complaining, concern will say whatever. I'm not trying to, to paint these in a certain light or anything. But anyway, the, yeah, the outposts are largely not PvP-centric because they're there's so many and it's such a quick thing that it's unlikely that someone is nearby that will, you know, when the outpost gets lit up, that someone can get there in time. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of of PvP activity, but if you want to win in Conquest, they're actually really valuable if you get a lot of them, right? Yes. But it's it just feels like a chore to run around and, and collect them, and it's not really that engaging of content. And yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I don't think the outposts are fun. I saw someone suggesting that, and this would completely be different than, you know, with the siege windows and everything, but talking more about how it used to be in Dark Age, where it's like, you know, maybe you have to capture the outpost surrounding a fort or something in order to turn the fort siegeable, right? There you go. So then when you're looking at a map, you could actually see an enemy like, cutting a line through your flags to the uh-huh. fort because they're flipping them, right? So yeah, I think from that perspective, that makes... I mean, I like something like that. Again, that I don't know how that makes any sense in the world of siege windows because then there's just a set time and it doesn't really matter <laughs> what outposts are there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on outposts? I like it. I mean... I don't make it a chore, though. There are people that, if you want to win the campaign, you're going to have have to have somebody mm-hmm. doing a 24-7 outpost, at least toward the end. Mm-hmm. So once that happens, usually whoever does it first is just, uh, that's that's their win, because no one else 
is really wanting to commit to that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's fun for me to take stuff when I'm just kind of out harvesting sometimes and mm-hmm. you get little loot boxes and buffs and stuff and you know, it's whatever. But if they had some bigger benefit, I like the idea of having the outposts f- making a fort siegeable or, or some sort of benefit to the overall map. Somehow the outpost needs a more strategic upgrade, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, kind of like, you know, you brought up the Overseer Tower uh, yeah. and how you like that as a change. You know, so it doesn't have to be exactly that, but something like that where it, like, maybe if you control 80% of the outposts in a zone, then... Mm-hmm there's some benefit that you get. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe a respawn outpost instead of just being, and maybe there could be two different kinds. Like maybe there could be a respawn outpost that's tied to outpost ownership. Mm -hmm. Right. So your faction or your alliance gets that respawn outpost. If you control X percentage of the outposts in the zone, the outpost. Yeah. And then something like that a foothold in the zone or something. Yeah. Well, and it also would make it so that like, cause the way it works right now with respawn outposts is before a keep siege, one of the two faction or alliances, whether it be the attacker or the defender, just based on positioning and, and where they're at on the map mm-hmm. will usually be trying to take a nearby respawn outpost. Mm-hmm. And it's something that just happens within minutes of the siege beginning, usually. Mm-hmm. And it could be maybe it would be more interesting if it was tied to outpost ownership because then a faction would have to show up and actually take a bunch of outposts before they could take the respawn. So it would make it more of like a decision that you're wanting to do it and you can't just lose it within two minutes of someone deciding to go take the respawn outpost. Or, yeah, so it could um, easily be something like that or even linked to the overseer tower also i'm not i'm i think that needs a little bit of love too because really it just kind of functions like another outpost i mean you just have to take it in order to open the the boxes it's like an added step it's true except that i have gone to the overseer outpost before and encountered someone who had taken it and was camping it Mm, and so because it's the only one in the zone it does just create a PVP hot zone, if you want to call it that, or scenario, right? Because okay. now you have that's the only place you can get that. So you mm-hmm. have to fight for control over that. So yeah. And again, not that it would mimic the overseer tower thing or something exactly, but yeah, I don't know. Just like I'd suggest with the respawn tower, and maybe that's not the best idea, but just something where holding a large percentage of outposts or a majority of outposts in a, in a zone leads to some benefit. So that way people care about holding them, and, yeah. but maybe not care about holding every single one because that's too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, if there was a strategic choice to taking territory, yeah, that needs to be played up as much as possible because there, there is an overall strategy being played with the territory control. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there, but it's not fully realized yet. And if we're talking about a throne war simulation, being able to have that map type strategy has to be in there. You know, it's like we're playing a strategy game, but we're playing the characters in the strategy game, right? Right. Yep. Well, th- and this this next one kind of ties directly into that. And this is another way that, that would not implement what we just talked about at all, but just the overall scoring system. Um, mm, so I've also yeah. seen suggestions that you just start to reduce the value that outposts, keeps, forts, whatever, give you once you cross a threshold of how many you, you control. So that way there's not an incentive to control every outpost or every keep or every fort because Mm -hmm. you're not getting as much conquest points if you have too many kind of thing. Yeah, the scoring system, I I don't even understand how I don't get assists or kills sometimes it seems like. I mean, I guess kills is a death blow, like the last hit. Yes. But I mean, I'm definitely attacking people and I see them die and I don't get credit for an assist or anything. So I don't, I don't know how this scoring system works. I've seen people with more kills and assists, but have less points over someone that has more outposts. Yes. Um, So, I mean, kind of just like... Uh, more clarification on what is what. Well, I think that scoring, I mean, I think the number one way to score is to keep territory, right? To control okay. territory. So it's mm-hmm. outposts, it's forts, and then it's keeps. And yeah. that over, that outweighs kills dramatically. Kills, yeah. Which is good probably because it, it disincentivizes just making a ganker guild that doesn't have <laughs> territory, <laughs> right? And then yeah. just trying to win conquest just by killing only, because that would lead to a lot more just wanton <laughs> gank mm-hmm. groups, which aren't really that common now. Yeah, it's usually centered around some sort of territory control, mm-hmm. which is is important to uphold that overall strategy type right. game, which I think is what's trying to be developed. And then the last one I have is. Which again, kind of, it ties into the siege stuff, I guess. But anyway, it's it's forts having two windows that are four hours apart. Most people that I saw think that if you want to have two windows for forts every day, that's fine because it it again it provides more consistent siege activity since mm-hmm. keeps are are on a you know two three four day timer whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But when they're only four hours apart, it basically makes it so that the first one is just ignored because mm-hmm. four hours later is when you really capture it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they were like 12 hours apart, then people would just care about each time because now you get to hold it for the next 12 hours. Yeah. I uh, I think I agree with that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the wrong person to ask about s- schedules and windows because like... I I want to hold it for longer and upgrade it and, you know, have more uh, to do in the fort. I think there should be some upgrades that you can do buildings and and just having the, to defend it multiple times a day just makes it harder to hold and 
yeah. and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think still, based on what's currently available, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but outposts are, there's nothing siege related to it at all. Keeps are the ultimate siege thing. And so yeah. forts kind of strike this nice middle balance. And unlike an outpost, which is always available to be captured, the forts having windows make them a little more permanent, but not as permanent as the keep. So personally, I think they strike a nice balance, but but I get your point that it could be it could be interesting to, to be able to hold them longer and upgrade them, but then what's the difference between them and keeps? And we already have a problem with keeps not being upgraded all the way. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, forts are now going to get upgraded. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to see outposts be upgraded <laughs> because the, those those double outposts, like on the roads, yeah, where they have tough. the two two towers built up. I mean, those look really cool. And I mean, if you could build up some some just out wherever and make it like a tower. And then we could do those signal fires and warn people when people are in the zone, if you're in the outpost. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now we'll end on our high note, as we discussed. So top five things that I saw people liking. And again, there's more, there's more on the bad list that people said that I didn't bring up. And there's more things that people like than what I'm going to bring up. But... The first thing I wrote down is the variety of biomes. Oh, yeah. People have liked the increase in parcel diversity and the amount of biomes. And just the general aesthetic. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people complimenting, yeah, just how the game looks, how the animations look, how harvesting looks, and I don't know, just all of it. Yeah. The UI yeah. stuff, you know, they've made a lot of small changes over time to to the visuals of it. And I agree with that. I think that the game looks really pretty. I'm glad that I, along with you, got a new PC to <laughs> see it in its full glory at a reasonable uh -huh. frame rate. It's, uh, I, I love the seasons. I love the lighting. I mean, I mean, if you haven't played Wood Elf in winter at night... <laughs> Very specific. I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, it's just like kind of got this dark purple hue to it. Mm -hmm. and I don't know. Feels right. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Next thing they had is zone caps or small scale or small guild content was another thing that people were really praising. You know, we've just talked about the zone caps to some extent, but honestly, even if the player base doubled, tripled, quadrupled, whatever the, you know, 10x, 30x, whatever the number is. I don't know that I think that we should go away from the, the, the current zone caps. And I think the common sentiment is the current zone caps are in place to reflect the current player base, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have 12, a zone limited to 12 people from an alliance at any given time. But mm -hmm. that's because we don't have alliances with 500 people in them that are active, right? But honestly, even if we did, I think I like the 12-man restriction because, like I talked about last time, it incentivizes guilds and alliances to break up into smaller groups so that they can go to those zones. Mm -hmm. So even if the player base was larger, 
I would like to see that player base distributed amongst more small guilds, I guess is my point, as opposed to them just reforming into to mega alliances. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh it's interesting to think about every if there were several alliances fielding their own group into that capped zone. Mm-hmm. As of right now, it doesn't seem unfair. I, I don't know how that could work out because if they were all on one side or trying to push in on, on one person, I mean, you could have, what, 75 on 25 in a certain situation? You could, but I mean... To some extent, I mean, I know there are scenarios like if it's, you know, the the number one players, the number one alliance or something is holding the, the territory and you want to take it from them. I guess I, I guess to some extent, why are they incentivized long term to be grouping together if they're not actually in an alliance together? Right, right. It seems like it would be hard to do because they would have to avoid hurting each other yeah exactly that's what i mean the game already makes it kind of difficult to do that and mm-hmm. and past a point only one of them's going to take the territory anyway yeah so why how long term are the other two always going to be willing to let the other one take the territory that they just participated in fighting for also you know what i mean i know yeah it's we just have to play with it longer and see what could happen. Well, and I mean, it might create a scenario where maybe there just would be a second dregs campaign. Now, I don't know how much I like that because I kind of like everyone being in, in a single server kind of entity right now. Yeah. But if the player base was big enough to warrant a second dregs campaign to be running concurrently, mm-hmm. maybe that would be fine still. You know what I mean? I just, I, I think that I like the version of the game now a lot more than I liked the version of the game at launch. Yes. Where yes. every zone could have a group of 30 people running around in it, ganking, and mm-hmm. there's just nothing for it. Yeah, I mean, we saw it at a larger population with no zone cap, and it's not very fun. Right. Coming in as a new guild, I mean, you're just at the mercy of whoever has uh, 30 to 50 and wants to run around and kill everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's really hard to do anything, but now I did see someone and this is kind of, I guess not in the praise category still, but whatever, it's not a complaint, but, but someone was saying that they, they have a problem with the 12 person zone limit because during prime time where you've got the siege windows, which in those zones, there are only forts. So you basically have a four-hour stretch where at the beginning of that, there's a fort siege, and then four hours later, there's another one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that happens four times in the zone because there's four forts in each one of those. What that does is it creates a scenario, let's say it's from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. or something, whatever. If you're a harvester... The reason that they did those the the siege zones or siege windows then is because that's prime time for people in that time zone, right? Mm-hmm. In NA East or NA West or whatever. Well, the downside is is that if you're a harvester, you now don't have access to that zone because your guild or alliance probably has their twelve best PvPers in there to mm-hmm. fight for it, and so now you don't have access to it. 
Yeah. I kind of get that, but there are three other zones that you could go to to harvest that aren't actively in a siege window. So I don't know. Correct. Correct. It, it, you just have to be aware of those times, I think. It has been a little chaotic managing certain caps at certain times, depending on who's in there and being mm-hmm. like, hey, can you get out real quick so mm-hmm. we can. But. It hasn't been undoable, and usually it's resolved pretty quickly. I mean, I, I know this will probably never come because <laughs> we can't get searchable categories of items. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you could just have a UI that just shows you in-game where your alliance members are, which oh, pretty yeah. sure is standard in most <laughs> MMOs that have... Mm-hmm. guilds and or alliances there's just mm-hmm. a ui window you pop up and you can see like what the player name is what level they are what zone they're in and then you could even what class they are and then you could sort by oh, zone yeah. and, you know like this is not well, new you remember in camelot where you could sl- it was a slash command you could slash who people in your guild or alliance and or zone or class. or zone yeah. yeah and you could just see names and zones and right Yep. Yeah. So yeah, something like that would would cut down on some of the confusion you're talking about about like, hey, can you get out and who's in there and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would just help a yeah. lot. Next thing that people consistently said they liked is actually just the combat. Now, of course, you had some people that said that they think that the time to kill is too fast now and fights are too short, or other people complaining that the balance changes swing too far in one direction or another they're, they're not nuanced enough but generally people seem to agree that the combat is pretty well done and that's true in both small scale content and large scale content yeah I would say if if someone is having short battles it's probably because they're either had a disadvantage on the opening of the fight or are severely undergeared or something like that. I mean, when in group on group fights that I've participated in, I mean, there's fighting for a while before anyone really dies. It seems like anyway. No, I, I would agree with you. And I saw other people saying that they, one of the things they liked about the combat was that people's rotations actually mattered. You had to kind of pay yeah. attention to what other groups, you know, the enemies were doing. And so there's two sides of the coin there. Certainly. And again, this is the the things people like segment. So, yeah, we'll just go there. But, yeah, combat overall people like. And, and, yeah, I would agree with that entirely. I think that it's actually pretty remarkable how good of a job they did making it fun to fight, especially given how different it is because it's not a tab target game. Right. Yeah. I I really do like the combat, too. And being in a prolonged pvp fight with a group and i don't know there's there's nothing like it it's it's good it's a good time next thing i've got jotted down for things people like it's kind of a few bundled together here but the harvesting system and then the ui and quality of life improvements that have come since launch which you and i have lauded over and over and over again that we think it's great how often they put out updates and 
while some changes that we wish we had seen sooner and, and maybe haven't happened yet, there are still a lot of other changes that have happened that have been great. Some of them things we wanted. Some of them, you know, like search, searchable vaults in the <laughs> dregs banks, right? Um, <laughs> but then also just little touches like the the your character pain changing color with your vessel upgrading and those that is really good too yeah Yeah, i like that that aren't necessarily quality of life but just make it look better make it more usable or whatever that's more quality of life i guess but whatever aesthetically Mm -hmm. pleasing details yeah and then i think we've probably you know talked about it a lot but i will just say again it's the only time in a game that i've ever gone harvesting and actually thought that it was somewhat engaging now, I mean, the PIP system is not that complicated. And I think a lot of people just spam three all the time. But especially when you get into the foreman and the different special harvesting abilities like Velaine or foreman and those kind of things, mm-hmm. there's just a lot more going on. Again, I say a lot more. It's a couple more abilities. Mm-hmm. But compared to every other game where I've done harvesting, you just hit the thing and then that's it. Yep, yep. And and then my favorite, of course, is seeing all the materials and all the different colors swirling around when you pick them up and then get to hear the, the music. Yeah. I don't know, it makes me happy every time. No, I agree. I think <laughs> that it's it's strange because so I actually don't like mobs that drop loot like that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like it bothers me. Like I want the, the mob to drop the loot on its corpse and then I loot that. Uh-huh. But, like, elementals don't work that way, or thrall souls don't work that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I, this is this is a perfect example of, you know, people don't like RNG and loot boxes, but they don't mind it when it's a mob drop. <laughs> For some reason, I don't like it when it's from mobs, but I love that the loot from harvesting does drop on the ground and is something you have to run around and pick up. Uh-huh. Uh, it makes it uh-huh. seem more rewarding somehow. Yeah. Even though... Somehow. I get it that in the end, it still just goes in my inventory. Uh And it's not more rewarding than if it just went there straight. But the little dumb lizard brain part of me enjoys (laughs) it a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the last one that, that that I jotted down is developer communication and transparency. Now, some would, would argue that, I guess, but but yeah, the, the the developers, I mean, and the whole reason we're doing this segment is because on the forum, they're requesting feedback. They're trying to, to communicate and be transparent. And I guess that the the Discord has really taken a, a good upswing where people are a lot happier with the communication that happens in the Discord and they feel like they can mm-hmm. actually engage with the developers there mm-hmm. in a way that's, you know, pretty unique for an MMO. Yeah. it's It's been... It's been nice to to see how open they have been with receiving feedback on the changes and something like the badge where um, actually hearing the complaints and, and then making some changes, hopefully. I don't know. The changes are good, but at, at the same time, you can't make everyone happy. But it takes that communication to reach the community and participate. Yeah, well, it, it certainly it doesn't make everyone happy all the time. But by communicating and, and at least being transparent about why you're doing what it is that you're doing, it at least 
gives people a place to kind of, I don't know, make some sense of it where when there's nothing said and there's just changes made or there's no changes made and nothing is said, mm-hmm. then it feels mm-hmm. like, is this a dead game? Are they trying to scam us? Like what happened? <laughs> I mean, really you um, see it on, not in MMOs necessarily, but in, you know, I see early access titles on steam all the time that have been in early access for a long time and you go and read recent reviews and the sentiment is the developer is non-responsive. They don't provide updates anymore. You know, there's mm-hmm. no blog, there's nothing. And so people just don't know. And, and the thing is, is when you don't communicate, it doesn't mean that people don't think about it. All that happens is they make up their own story for why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't explain it. So, yeah, yeah, true. But anyway, so yeah, that was again, kind of a, a loosely, created top five likes and dislikes from the forum and yeah i think i i'm pretty well in line with with most of those and and agree with with most most of those positions on both sides same anything else you wanted to talk about on this episode i think they'll do it well that's all for the show today follow us on twitter and minds at crowfall pod You can also check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which explores the walk of life through interviews with a variety of guests, or my other show, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a podcast about video games where we explore the idea of why gaming matters. As always, thanks for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up. Mm -hmm.